change the world. Oh, the world's changing now, right what, in all front right, of us. Well, hold on. Man, Bahama. <laughs> okay, I understand what happened now. Um, the time has come, the walrus said, to speak of many things. And that's what we intend to do on this day. And the day is somewhat significant. It's 4 uh, that means it's April Fool's Day. 4120 doesn't sound too ominous. I can't see anything sinister in there too much. We're in a whole sinister world at the moment. But it's a Wednesday on April Fool's, and i got my buddy Paul, your buddy Paul, and uh, everybody's buddy Paul on with us, who's uh, in his uh, self-imposed lockdown over there on the other side of the pond, I believe. Welcome, Paul. Happy Wednesday. Happy April Fool's Day. Yeah, no, thank you for, for that. And and from one self-isolationist to thousands of others listening as well as yourself, Roger. Hi. Yeah, good good to this self-isolationist league of Yes. All right. Now there's some clipping. Great I don't Britain, know. Marvelous. Yeah, on this front before I sat down here. We're getting a little clipping, I'm sensing. I don't know that it's on my end. I don't know it's on your end. Cody just joined us. Uh, but let's maybe it'll straighten out the packet. Sometimes have a habit of doing that, as you and I know. Uh, yes, self mm-hmm. uh, self quarantine, social distancing, trying to flatten the curve. We've got to use all of the uh, new phrases that are being put into the lexicon. Um, lots What's of- this curve that needs flattening, Roger? Is this is this the growth curve in number of infected? people is that I what believe it is, is that's what, what I, to? you know i think that's what they're that's referring the to income that's that's gonna be the income <laughs> oh, i tell you that. that's okay man let's see here can you dial me blocked again thanks <laughs> oh lord of mercy let's get chris on uh yes there's a lot of very interesting things happening uh we are Boy, the the economic repercussions of this and what's coming after it are going to be real severe, and some of us will live with this the rest of our lives. Well, I've got a few solutions, Roger, that should make it all nice and lovely. Okay, well, tell (laughs) us about it while I'm hunting Chris up here. Sure. Well, what I was saying just before you were doing that, I'd just been down the... uh, down the seafront here, having my uh, midday constitutional uh, with my nearest and dearest, and uh, desperately trying to find somebody who's got the virus, and it's impossible. <laughs> it's like that's no one's got it. That's they're what, all running around. Yeah. They're on their bicycles. They're right. flying drones up and down the beach. They've yeah. got their kites out. These little girls happily skipping along gaily behind their mothers as they trot around, hither, thither, and yon. Everybody is very calm and quiet. There's not a chemtrail in the sky. There's been no jets overhead for days. Wonderfully peaceful. You can hear nothing but birdsong. And, of course, we're all heading to Armageddon. But uh, if this is what it's like, it's not too bad. It's not a bad way to head to (laughs) Armageddon, honestly. It could be a lot worse than this. Well, there's a lot of people all (laughs) over the globe, it seems, trying to find the coronavirus hotspots. And they go to all these hospitals, and they can't find anybody in there. And then when they talk about it, people come back and call them ugly names. It's shocking, isn't it? 
Isn't it shocking? I mean, I think I mentioned last week, I've got a friend who's had it, recovered, came through it. I heard from him on Monday this week, a couple of days ago. He'd just taken his first tentative steps of freedom back out into the fresh air and was thrilled to be able to do that again. Uh, he'd, he'd not had it terrible, but he'd not had it good. Apparently, if you get it, it's it's like having a really very unpleasant chesty cough. Um, so that's me using English understatement. I should imagine it's possibly even worse than that, but it's not, you know, it's not fun. However, the numbers... Where do we go for the, you know our daily death stats? I don't know where to go. And and I was talking with someone the other day. I said, yeah, even if we go there, can we believe these stats? You know, no. who's massaging the figures? Um, it's, it's an incredible that, situation. Anybody that's dying is getting labeled as the death of coronavirus, no matter what. Everybody. And it is. And, and this little thing. Now, there does seem to be a, a, either it's something like a physiology you know, that we all have unique physiologies in many ways or your blood type or some of these other differences. It appears to be that some people are highly susceptible to this, whether they're old, infirm, uh, have complications or what. Uh, and, yep. uh, of course, it's a bioweapon. And that's one thing that Cliff High said that stuck with me. I've mentioned it on the show. Stop thinking of it as disease. It's a bioweapon. Okay, now you got a context mm-hmm. to look at it at. Um, I was watching a amazing Polly, uh, night cute little blonde gal there from Canada on one of her things this morning, a latest one, and she was going back into this meeting they had in November, October of last year. You heard you've heard about that, right, Paul? Uh, which one? Which which? Well, yes, they had I'm still a big. Here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. We, they had a big gathering, I believe it was in D.C., of all these, you know, Bill Gates and crowd and all that in this meeting around a simulated epidemic, pandemic. Oh, yeah. I was just stumbling across some of that information this morning, but not from the source you've just cited. Right. But, yes. It's out there, and there's clips of it. I actually put the thing on on YouTube a month later in November before they were mm-hmm. going to zap us in December. And so in there, they were going over some of the dialogue and the questions on this amazing poly thing and uh we're talking about one of the ways to go back and cement this into the local community is with what they call trusted sources so they've Mm -hmm. gone in and laid a deal out where they go to like the susceptible preacher the susceptible whoever in the community and get them on their side like uh uh what's the what's it called chris the delphi technique that they use for social meetings where they get people planted in the audience and, and that spontaneously stand up and spout the agenda and stuff. Well, it's that kind of a uh, same type of thing. And so, uh, you got to watch, uh, who all is getting behind this, but it's interesting. The further we get into it, the more the lines of demarcation to me seem to be apparent and you can start to see a lot of fraudulent things about it. As you and I were talking right before we went on the air, Today's the global piling on, okay? Uh, yeah. I mean, we got UK reports 500 more fatalities. In that amazing poly, she showed a website from the from the UK government that said there's nothing nothing about this, okay? I mean, really, it's in there. I'll no, well, it's it. been declassified. On March the 19th, they declassified it as a virulent virus or a, a highly infectious disease. Right. right. Um, so, well, uh, you know, and then we've got this guy Ferguson over here who has – part of some organization that, you know, makes the prognostications regarding statistics on all sorts of things. Now, the department he comes from, which I can't remember the name of right now, but it doesn't matter, 
Um, they were they made uh, all sorts of projections about foot and mouth disease here about twenty years ago. Or oh, bovine I remember flu, that. I remember that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they messed that. Up. They messed that up. Hello. Hi. Cody. Cody. <laughs> Well, what I was going to mention is, do you know what the death rate is in the U.K.? Because I did some research. The official numbers in Illinois was about 800 and something per 100,000, so it's .007 or 8%, depending on the state. I checked New York, New York City, and it was 700 and I think 78, somewhere right in there per 100,000. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see what the actual numbers are coming out, you know, because I... I have a feeling a lot of these people that are dying or would have died anyway. They you know, would have, be a Cody. Certain amount of people that wouldn't. But, they would have. You know, yeah. there was a grandmother somewhere on the, on one of these things I've watched, a grandmother. Uh, uh, the, the, the grandchildren were talking about the grandmother who'd been cased as class dying from COVID and said, look, the woman's had Alzheimer's for 12 years. She's been in the nursing home, this, that, and the other, and they got her classified as COVID. So my point to your statement is I don't yeah. know that you can believe the numbers. Well, that's the, that's the thing. You know, they're using a good crisis. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And I, I'm just curious. If, Paul, if you run across those U.K. numbers, it'd be interesting to see how they compare with the United States. Well, they said that Germany has already developed a test in the middle of January, and that's why they're, and they were well, doing mass testing. And I was going to read anyway, this headline. I was going to read this headline, Cody, when you popped in there. U.K. reports 500 more fatalities. This is off Zero Hedge. Germany extends the lockdown to April the 9th. Uh, I saw pictures of the main hospital in Berlin that is the coronavirus headquarters, you know, catastrophe area, and there wasn't anybody in there. Doctors, nurses, patients, waiting, nothing. Okay? Same thing people are doing, showing over in Brooklyn, and they're showing out on the West Coast, and these independent journalists are going in with their cameras and finding nothing, and then these trusted sources, doctors and what up, well, you don't see the people in the waiting rooms. Well, BS you don't. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, it's interesting. The sure. more uh, the facade's falling off of this thing in places, and we'll see how it goes forward. I'm more concerned how it's going to affect the economy. Cody, you're an oil guy. Oil went below yeah. twenty oh, bucks today. Play went to nineteen dollars today, buddy. Yeah, you can't make no money at that. What pisses me off is they said Saudi Arabia is, you know, shipping all the United States. We don't need their damn oil. They ought to put a. a, a a duty on the stuff so that it props the price up and they can't flood our market. But, of course, they probably will never do that, especially well, listen, with all the, uh, listen, the greenies in the Congress. The, now, oil, the oil aspect of the financial markets is minuscule now. It used to be more important, but with all this other stuff happening, uh, evidently now there's a new Bill Still little video out somebody sent me. I watched it last night. I'd play it on the air, except he promotes a, a, a gold IRA in there a couple of times, and I don't want to dance around that. So let me see if I can just recall to you what he said. Of course, Bill Still. Cody, could you stick your mute on, please? I got that ambient noise. Thank you. Uh, Bill Still is the guy that has done two major uh, uh, documentaries or exposés on the monetary system, the first in the 90s called The Money Masters, and the second in 2010-11, which is called The Secrets of Oz, which I highly recommend that over the other one. It's just very well done, and, and it's an excellent 
piece to sit down and start teaching anybody the depths and the depravity and the history of the monetary system. Anyway, so he's, let's say he's considered to be a quote-unquote expert in that area, okay? Well, he was saying on the video that he was contacted by a military person very close to Trump back in the campaign a couple of years ago and asked about taking over and dealing with the Federal Reserve. Bill said, look, I wrote him a 35-page uh, 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 answer, and I gave it to him, and I know he told me that Trump read it, okay? And so in the next, there was some kind of meeting that happened shortly after that, and he came out and spouted some stuff that was like from the influence of Bill Still's paper on him, all right? Now, his question in the video is, is Trump merging in the Federal Reserve into the Treasury? And here's what he went over, and he said, the things that are happening are the things that were basically I put in that paper that I know he read, okay? And if you look in this new, two the first $2 trillion loan that's rolling out, they're not rolling it out with them going to the Federal Reserve. They're rolling it out to these businesses and everything through basically sub corporations or sub agencies. All these he named about five of them that are in the in the legislation, where they will lend directly to the businesses, etc. Okay, and it's taking the Federal Reserve out of the process in that respect and going back and bringing it in under the Treasury. And Bill still said this is what basically one of the approaches I had outlined in that paper. So don't know whether it's going to happen long term or whatever. I thought it was important enough to mention it. I wish you wouldn't have put those two promotional uh, spots in there. I played the thing on the air, and you could get a little bit better uh, a handle on it. But I've got it up here, and I can find it and give you the title of it. But you can put Bill Still over in YouTube, and, you know, it'll come out up. All his work will come up. So I thought that was extremely interesting and somewhat optimistic. I have something for you. Good. Hey, Chris. Good morning, Paul and everyone. Uh, Cody. Good morning. Uh, I listened to another station before you guys come on, and there's a caller in there that's a trusted source, in quotation marks. Uh, that's Michael from New York. I find him to be very reliable and knowledgeable. He revealed this morning on the air that he was a former bigwig with IBM back in 2010 when they circulated an internal memo for the high-level uh, managers inside IBM uh, that he was made privy to, and it rolled out this plot that they were going to have this waves of pandemics or pandemics as the case may be panic gimmicks more likely and that was back when the bird flu first came out so um, very intriguing but it appears that this plot of bill gates of hell and george soros and other global elites has been afoot for quite a long time you prior mentioned the Hagelian or hegelian dual electric where the false paradigm of the false choice leads to the preconceived conclusion that they wanted to uh, pretend that they had obtained consent from the informed under the thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and problem-reaction-solution scams 
of giving the illusion of choice whenever it was already predetermined before you go in. Well, they like, and that's effectually what we're seeing. Well, they always like the heads, we lose, uh, you lose, tails, we win model. Um, I had something else to say, and I lost it right there. Um, Paul? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm here. Okay. Good deal. Uh, Dad, you almost <laughs> don't mind. You know, when you got something right on the tip of your tongue and you lose it, you can't get it back. Um, well, we've covered about 35 was, different okay. topics in well, the first me, 15. I got it. I got it back. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's moving fast today, isn't I think, one of the four which is horses, understandable. There's lots of ground to cover in a way. Yes. Isn't the, one of the four horses of the, uh, of the apocalypse of pa uh, plagues and pestilence? Could be. Could be. Of course, it's difficult to actually really verify it to what degree, how genuine this is. I think maybe I mentioned last week, there's at least two viruses going on here. Um, there's the one called Corona, mm -hmm. and then there's the mind virus, which is the, of the two, the, the, the latter is the more deadly. Yes. Um, and it's this, it's, it's this manhandling. I was, I was thinking back to, um, I was talking to someone the other day and thinking back to 100 years ago. Roughly, you know, let's go back a hundred years. And if we go back to 1914, we have the beginning of the onslaught, the, the meat grinder that was World War One, um, And that was pretty bad because we know at least 10 million people died in combat during that thing, which was pretty heavy. You then got the Russian Revolution for the Russians, which was very heavy as well. Then we get at the tail end of World War One, we get the arrival of the Spanish flu late 1917, early 1918. That then peters out, but then comes back with a vengeance into um, into civilian life. And the estimates are that it killed somewhere between 40 to 50 million during that period, during the t uh, 1920 to about 1925, 26. A couple of years after that, you've got the Wall Street crash. <laughs> okay. Now, throughout all that period, say 1914 to 1934, this 20-year period, did they shut civilization down? They didn't, did they? No. They didn't shut it down. And the population of the world then was about 1.8 billion, about a fifth of what it is now. Yeah, so the, these losses of life then are massive percentages of losses of life. Huge. But they didn't go, oh, well, we'll shut everything down. The, um, I mean, the thing I've just been, that's been coming to me the last couple of days is trying to inquire or people are making presentations about what a virus actually is, and can you catch one? Um, now, I'm kind of halfway through chewing the data, really, but it would appear that it's not a transmittable thing, a virus, which I know sounds awfully strange and weird, and so I'm, I'm quite open to being corrected on that. But I've seen two presentations now about it that effectively what's happening is a virus is sort of dead stuff inside your system the detritus that has stuck to cells throughout your body. And uh, there come certain periods throughout the year, particularly when it's cold for whatever reason, when your body decides, and I don't know quite what triggers it, to get rid of them. And this is why you have uh, you blow your nose a lot or you cough a lot or whatever, you know, and it, it makes its way for the exits. It's your body having a massive yeah. sort of spring cleaning. Um, and that it's not transmissible. Now, this is a very strange sort of thing to say, isn't it? And it sounds sort of harem scare or bonkers. But there seems to be quite uh, a sub – the presentations I've seen are very strong and very clear about this. And I'm not a virologist at all, so I couldn't tell you. But um, it's interesting to note that when somebody has a cold uh, and goes to a workplace, 
others may get it, but generally not everyone gets it. It's True. the case, isn't it? Yeah. You go, yeah. well, not everybody gets it. Right. So why why are the people that getting it getting it? Well, often it's kind of resonance, maybe. I mean, maybe I'm grasping at straws, but the idea of washing your hands, which is what they're talking about, and staying six foot apart is just baloney. It's absolute rubbish. I mean, to me, it is. I, I just look at it and go, this doesn't even feel right. Um, and when we compare the statistics, I think, as we mentioned last week, with regards to influenza, um, the flu is still winning this year. Believe you me, it's kicking 10 bells out of the coronavirus victims. And I even got some data through the other day, although I don't have the source for this. So, you know, but uh, AIDS victims this year is north, north of 250,000 so far in the first three months. So what are we going to do, you know? And what about car accidents? Let's stop doing It's the response that's disproportionately hysterical and, yes, and, and what they wanted. This is the real problem with it. You don't shut civilization down because a small percentage of people have, have suddenly started dying who didn't used to die before. It is a small percentage. We're not talking about 30, 40, 50% of the world's population going down the toilet in three months. That's not what's happening. It's something no. else. Yeah, I'll tell you and what yet, it is. But the, it's covering yeah. the financial system crash that they couldn't cover anymore. Well, I, th- I think it is. I think it's covering a lot of stuff. I think there's all sorts of things going on. There might even be good things going on, you know, but there again, um, that's possibly the uh, Ron Hopeful school of get, grasping at get, straws. You know get the, get I mean? this. In, in buying of these bonds, I, I was listening to a Michael Pinto. Yeah. Here comes your fellow Ingressman here, Mr. Chris. Double barrel Chris is here. Um, in the, um, buying thing, the federal reserve is buying is if you possibly have seen everything that's offered virtually except for junk bonds, and they may take those later. Okay. But Mm -hmm. one of the offerings in that assortment is corporate bonds. And usually they go to the, he was saying the primary market where they'd go and buy it right off the market. But in the legislation or whatever it's written, they're going in to the, what he called the secondary market of corporate bonds, which I'd never heard of. Okay. So I'm going to enlighten all of you as to what the secondary market of corporate bonds are. Those are the corporate bonds that they haven't issued yet that they're going to issue and sell to the Federal Reserve directly. Good. Wait till we get into the tertiary market. That'll be even better. Yeah, but no, that's good. (laughs) I went, holy smokes. Uh, Them and their corporate cronies, and, and of course, one of the nice things, the good things, is that they can't go in and do any stock buybacks with any of this money they're getting, at least supposedly. Um, mm-hmm. and what yeah. they're, what they're doing is buying and consolidating all this stuff and they're going to try and see if they, they got to go for the golden ring here. Okay. Their backs up against the wall. In a lot of ways they are exposed to a large percentage of population. I think probably more so as we go forward in this, their financial things crumbling, all those things are happening. They had to pull something and go for the golden ring. Now I'm going to bring up a phrase. We've talked about it on the show here, Paul. I don't know if you're privy to it. And that is the period of escalating violence. Mm-hmm. The period of escalating violence. What is it? It's the third stage of the four-stage takeover that was okayed, first proposed in 1919. You were talking about that time frame earlier. Then voted on and approved the next meeting in 1929 of the Communist Internationale. The document's called the Working White Papers of the Communist Internationale. 
Okay. You can go look it up online. Mm-hmm. I know it's out there. I've had listeners send it to me when we talked about it before. Okay. So uh, I don't remember yep. all four of the stages. I do remember the third stage. And that stage is called the period of escalating violence. And as retired Air Force Brigadier General Benton Parton told me personally, and he's where I heard all this from and learned it, he said they followed this plan in every country they've taken over since it was approved in 1929. Okay, The third stage is called, as I've said, the period of escalating violence. Now look at what all's happening. They're closing gun shops. They're leaving liquor stores and marijuana dispensaries open, but they're closing gun shops. Uh, there's a move all over the country with astute people that see these things shaping up, and they're boarding up their businesses from east coast to west coast in, in, in preparation for what could potentially be social unrest. Okay, All these things are happening, period of escalating violence. Uh, by the way, Virginia, the, the uh, socialist black robe, black-faced, I-didn't-do-it governor up there that's caused all this problems in the gun world as of late, put Virginia under lockdown yesterday until June 10th. June 10th. June the 10th. So all those things are happening. To me, you know, what I've learned about these creeps over many years, a very diligent study, is that on all these incidents they pull, they never do it for one reason. They always accomplish multiple objectives when they pull one of these. And basically it's like picking up the edge of the rug and, and sweeping all the dust up there underneath it. Okay. And that's what they're doing. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, there are many, many threads into it. Um, the I was in a, uh, I was in one of my market research conversation supermarket queues the other day. I, I like <laughs> to join them, and uh, there was a couple in front of me, six feet away, of course, uh, social distancing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what's occurring is people are actually talking to one another over the six foot gap. It's a kind of a challenge, you see. It's kind of interesting. Suddenly, things look different. No one's really miserable. Let's put it that way. Not yet, I suppose. We will see. I think the economic, as we said, but the economic fallout. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I think there's even things to to consider with that and what they're really up to. But um, I was talking to this couple, and they're not the only ones that I've been talking about the distinct impression maybe i want to have this distinct impression as well but i get the impression that people are just genuinely increasing the amount of questions that they ask each day about what's going on uh, it's an extremely encouraging sign mm-hmm. i don't think coming up with the right answers is necessarily even important at the moment because it's a shift in attitude for many people to actually question things to really question it and what's occurring is that you know, the group psychology that we're aware of is that the vast majority of people in all countries throughout all periods of history will put off manana, 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 uh, what what they ought to be looking at today till tomorrow and hoping that somebody else will do it. That's really the gist or, of it. Or it goes away. And Yeah, or it goes away. Oh, please, you know, I've just got things to do. Can you not bother me with this and all that kind of stuff, right? Now... What's occurring to some degree is that life, uh, I'm just using that word loosely, um, has got hold of them by the scruff of the neck, <clears throat> most people. 
uh, albeit under possibly false, exaggerated, hysterical, media propagandistic uh, circumstances, got hold of them. And he said, take a look at this. And they can't pull their head away. They're actually having to look at stuff. You know, they're not going to work. Um, everybody's expecting the divorce rate to go through the roof. <laughs> Some people are anticipating, I mean, my a German colleague called me this morning. He said, he said, now I'm going to take, because he gets a bit snotty about this, because let me tell you the difference between the way the Americans are responding to this and the Germans. I said, okay, go on, shoot, tell me. He said, well, in America, gun sales are the highest they've ever been. They're up 300% or something. <laughs> Uh, I suppose maybe that's because you're anticipating the gun shops to close or whatever, right? So that's that. He said, but in Germany, condom sales have increased 500%. Yeah, that's right. I said, well, okay, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, everybody's going to respond in, that's the, in a different that, way. That's the new you know, global, so that's, that's the it. coming shortage is condom shortage. There's an article on Zero Hedge about it. I hope you've stocked up. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So hang on. We're going through all – it's all to do with the sort of – potty department isn't it so it started off with toilet roll now it's moved over to condoms what's going to be next I mean, it's, just, it's, it's hilarious isn't it we're going to measure you we're going to measure human activity by on, on the basis of the most important function they do out of the bathroom i mean good gravy it's unbelievable isn't it so uh yeah wow fantastic um, um, but uh I, th- I think that's part of it you know in the past uh, even up until a few weeks ago people the the ease with which people could slope off into an aesthetized world, courtesy of alcohol, sports, garbage, TV, whatever, was all instantaneously to do it. I mean, we've mentioned it before that, you know, people are in a permanent condition of being deceived. They, they become acclimatized to it and quite mm-hmm. like it, actually. Mm-hmm. And now they're kind of not quite like that. And the rumblings of something major are there, even if, as as I'm, as I think we, we kind of are, are looking at, the exaggeration of this is what's driving it. It's not at the scale that the media coverage is implying it. I mean, they're using, if you look at the words, they're using massive and impending, and they're getting all the top adjectives out and using them to death, you know, yes. nonstop. It's just a complete fear porn factory nonstop. And like you were saying earlier, people rock up to these uh, hospitals and have a look in, and they're empty. Oh, I thought everybody's, no, no. I mean, I know it in places, I do. Um, but not to the... Boy, we got some choppy on the internet the with Paul today. A fear porn story. There's an interesting sign as well, though. Quite, yeah. Paul. Can you hear me, me okay, Roger, or well, is it going to be choppy? Uh, let me stop you for a second, because Chris is on from your neck of the woods over there, and let's see if we can get him to okay. chime in and see how his connection is. Chris, how are you doing over there, and what's your connection like today? Very well. Can you hear me? Hear you, yeah. Say, yeah. talk I'm a little bit. Paul, if you could talk a little I'm bit. Hearing let's just Paul break. Are you hearing Paul break up? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it's isolated maybe on you because I checked my speeds and we're doing good here. Um, anyway, we'll just deal with it. Okay. Uh, Paul, let me float something to you. Uh, what I've seen, and, and I want to maybe give a little background here, thank People like Eustace Mullins that said it so many decades ago. He said God was merciful on us, and he gave us the Internet. And so since the growth of the 90s and the plug-in and everything as we've gone forward, and then they had another one of these false flag events here about 20 years ago called 9-11. And over the time since, 
there's been so much on the internet and there's so you know the people that believe 9-11 happened they uh, the way they say it did are about the same percentage that believe that lee harvey oswald shot john kennedy okay it's very small at this point just because so much proof has been put out in front of them now that's been 20 years and no doubt that that's been growing as more and more people get exposed to that and other things that have happened 2008 and the housing crash and ad nauseum now they get us in this situation and they make everybody stay home i I noticed mm-hmm. that internet speeds all over the world are being affected because there's so many people at home using it. That may be part of the problem we're having with you today. Okay. But I think what you were saying is what's happening here and all that underpinning the people over all these years that were starting to ask questions and looking at stuff and having their doubts. And now this comes along. Okay. And now they're stuck at home. And they really got questions, and there's more of this stuff on the Internet. And they're desperately trying to squash it through the Googles and Twitters. And anybody that posts anything, they immediately take it down. But anyway, that's what's happening, and I think this thing's going to blow back on them. I think it's a miscalculation out of desperation on their end. It it could well be. I mean, the 9-11 – situation is worth looking at as well for uh for other uh important reasons i think obviously that was an event which took place over one morning in terms of you know the actual peak part of the event but it it did in fact run for several weeks um and it was a dramatic event Uh, um not that this isn't dramatic but it was dramatic in a different way because it had all the ingredients of devastation and ruin and, uh, you know, destruction right there on the screen. It was all going on. Exactly. You could see it and you can't see this. That's right. So what, what occurred to us back then, you know, it doesn't seem like 19 years ago to me, (laughs) just this thing with the time, it just seems relatively recent, but, um, what, what, what occurs to an audience undergoing that? Well, what tended to occur is that at the time, none of us knew what was going on. We were just watching things and not happy about what we were watching and getting a sense of the implications of it. And of course, at that point, whilst these events are going on, you are um, in psychological trauma. Is that what we would call it? You are in a state of shock Mm -hmm. and your defenses are down because you you are indirectly experiencing yourself as being part of a kind of war zone or something like you're going, what is going on? This is, this is not expected. This is Tuesday morning or whatever it was, Thursday morning. I can't remember. You know, this is not good. This is no good. So you're incredibly suggestible under those Mm -hmm. situations. And of course, when we now look back on that day and you look at how the story is unfolded, the suggestibility lines were already in place, it seems. Mm-hmm. They were ready to roll them out straight into your subconscious whilst you were in that condition. Yep. Well, many of us, of course, are still around. Huge numbers of people that saw that are around. And, of course, as you just said, there was a growth in, in the whole movement of inquiry. It's still going on and it needs to still go on. We know that that's still one of these huge, big smoking guns out there. But um, maybe with hindsight, if we can draw upon that, we can see what's happened to us now. I've, I'm still laying off coming out with extremely firm determinations about this because it's unfolding as we 
be go. But what I'm encouraged by is I've already seen, yeah, I've seen mainstream journalists over here. I'm thinking of one actually called Peter Hitchens. He's the the brother of the guy called Christopher Hitchens who passed away a few years ago as a sort of notable orator and, you know, uh, intellectual. And um, uh, he's been voicing opposition to the way it's been dealt with. And he's not alone. And he's doing it in a very calm and clear way, similar to what the points I was just addressing, really, about the Spanish flu. Nobody shuts down. A response to this is not to shut commerce down. This is ridiculous, right? We, we know already now, after just a couple of weeks, that the, the people most vulnerable are the elderly who already have a prior condition that's serious. They're, they're in the top target group. And I know people that are in that condition. I actually, I've got a guy who's, there's one and a half million people here in the UK who've been earmarked by the government, have been particularly at risk. And I know a guy, he's 65, 66, and, and he's, he's, he's had his letter. This is because he's had a, an organ transplant, I think, or something like this. So he's, he's highly at risk if he gets it. We understand this. He's probably highly at risk if he got a very bad case of influenza as well. You see, knock his system out. We understand that. But seeing that we know these things, why should the 95% of people who are not high risk be dealt with in this way and see their businesses destroyed, see the whole commercial fabric? Because the destruction, of course, is not that they couldn't achieve it by other means. It's that it's being done rapidly this way. This is what's alarming. So we've got already major voices coming out, and it's a more fluid situation. And so I think we ought to be encouraged by that. Um, I'm still, of course, no doubt you are too, looking out for the proposed solutions to save our bottoms that they're about to come out with, right? I mean, I was with my my neighbor the other day, uh, works as a, he's a gym instructor and a big guy, about six foot four. He's huge, actually. And he's a really big lad, nice, but like a gentle giant. We're walking along. Of course, he's got these tiny little dogs. Have you ever noticed that? Like these yeah, huge right. guys sometimes are crazy. <laughs> I always look at it, go so incongruous. God, this is ridiculous, you know. Surely you should have a, a wolf or something, shouldn't you, as your as your as your dog? But uh, we were just talking, and I just mentioned this three hundred and fifty billion quid that they'd whipped up over here, whatever the, the the amount is, you know. And I said it's interesting now they can come up with that amount of money, you know. I'm always, and he looked at me quizzically, said, "Yeah." He said, "Whenever things are difficult, we haven't got any money." He said, "But for this, they've just pulled it out of their hat, haven't they?" I said, "Yeah, haven't they?" Now, how do they do that? He said, yeah, how do they do that? I didn't want to answer his question. I just wanted to leave him with him. But, you know, are they going to ask for it back? Well, we shouldn't be paying out back. Come on. I mean, we need to start talking about this right now. We're not paying that back. Who, would, who, who gave it to us? What, what Did Lord Rothschild get his hand in his pocket and say, I'll save England. I love you all so much. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, then, and we've got to address it. I want to address this now because the, the solution is jubilee. Uh, and when they're saying we, we need the whole financial system needs to be reset, I go, yeah, we completely agree, but you're not going to be doing it, pal. You're the ones that co- you're not in. You're, you're fired. You, we can't have you do it. You know, you're the arsonist, and you're telling us how to put the building out. And I don't think so. Um, well, we need a platform to get this message across. You know, that's part of it, I think. In the, and I would cur- encourage anybody that's interested, hey, Daryl, in the financial area on, on this, to watch this Greg Hunter Michael Pinto interview that came out yesterday, last night. It's very good, and Pinto is highly respected, and he really does know his stuff. He is more of an investor and has a service for investors, and he does stock market, bond market, et cetera, et cetera. But he works off of models that he's been working off of for many years that he wrote. 
I guess, or had written, and with the parameters in it. And he's got some very interesting observations in there, a, a couple of them. He, he said that we're going in, they're trapped, and but they're not trapped totally to the reset uh, point till the next stage, which he says should be sometime next year in 2021. And it's when we go into a bond stagflation situation. And they have no remedy for that because they can't do anything about it. So anyway, you can listen to it and get get yourself through there. It's somewhat complex if you're not super familiar with all that. And I know most of us are not. But anyway, I wanted to promote it. And uh, it's very interesting what's happening. And we're at the front end of something like the world's never seen. That's without a doubt, 100% sure. Hey, Daryl, how you doing this morning, Captain? Oh, it's uh, good morning, everybody, Paul, and uh, everybody that I'm missing. Uh, I'm not saying your names. Uh, good morning. Uh, <clears throat> it's beautiful here. It's absolutely gorgeous. And, uh, Paul, to, to uh, buttress some of the comments you were making earlier, I, I spoke with my elderly mother who lives in a uh, so-called home uh, mm -hmm. surrounded by a bunch of other elderly people. And uh, I have relatives that work in different nursing homes in, in Iowa. And it's amazing because their their containment practices have been so effective. Nobody is sick, right? Um, yeah. And then I uh, I've spent some time with some people in Germany, Thailand, France, and uh, and actually England uh, on the phone. And uh, I said uh, after the business has been conducted, I said uh, just curious, uh, have you? Uh, do you know? Do you know, or do you know anybody that knows you that knows anybody that has been affected, died, or is sick with this? And uh, uh, the consensus is no, but it it must be there. And uh, it, it's it, it occurred to me at this point then that everybody must be avoiding the virus like the plague. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to script write a job for you, Daryl. Good line. <laughs> You've been storing that one up for some time, haven't you? God, I can't he, believe he's it. Laying it wa he's laying awake at I, night thinking of these things. You're lightly. No, they. Well, it's good. They, they, got they, to. they, they spontaneously <laughs> erupted my. Uh, my uh, adolescent brains, uh, you know, the, uh, I, I have a, I never quite grew up <laughs> if anybody is not noticed. So thank you. But, um, yeah. So <clears throat> this other thing you were talking about <laughs> is, um, the, uh, the, the virus not being living. And, uh, of course it's, it, it has information in it. And, um, uh, I, of course, I'm not a virologist or an epidemiologist or uh, uh, any of these ologists and um, uh, not even a proctologist. And so they uh, what I'm what I'm sort of uh, acquiring here is a sort of a working understanding because I'm sort of more of like a mechanic. Uh, I like machines and I I see this as like you were talking about. Paul is a, is a trigger in that you you have all the uh, the, the viral contagion or, or the the residue inside of your body <clears throat> and this this thing called a virus uh, if you come in contact with it it is a trigger for your immune system to uh, to do a purge or a cleansing uh, yeah. your immune system is is actually doing this so 
have you caught anything? Well, no, you've been triggered. Mm-hmm. Your immune system has been triggered. It was it was always there. You, if you're highly toxic, if you if you're toxic, and this is why you could put ten people or a hundred people in a room and bring somebody in who has the trigger. And uh, maybe uh, two or three or four or how many of that group would get triggered be- because they needed to be triggered. <laughs> yeah, that's that, okay. That's it. It's it's um, one of the presentations now that I was looking for an Australian guy, Brett, some fantastic, very bright guy. I mean, you could just tell by the way he came across. And he'd spent six years studying this stuff, and I need to watch it again. It was only about twelve minutes long, but excellent stuff. Uh, but he was talking about when I you actually you. are with. Uh, did you? Did you send? Oh well. Oh well. Okay. I think. I think. You, I've gotten it. Might be more than this one person sent it to me. Uh, but he was talking about that. You know, for example, if you get a disease in your lungs, he was talking about the non-transmission of supposed viruses. You see, you get it in your lungs, it doesn't transmit to other parts of your body. Your whole body doesn't start Correct. because it's isolated. It doesn't transmit in that way. It's a cleansing yeah. process for particular parts of the body. And he said you can't catch it by touching people. You know, I suppose if you if you breathed really heavily into someone's mouth, they'd get it because you could actually transmit, yeah. you know, particles and, and part of the triggering thing. But but the overall thing about wash your hands and stuff, it's not that I'm saying have dirty hands. Please keep your hands clean. But we know that if you wash them for 20 minutes, you wash all the good bacteria off your hands as well, opening you up yeah. to more possible problems. You know, bacteria is not yeah. always a bad thing. We're surrounded by it, yeah. and we seem to get along with it fine as long as everything's working okay it's not a problem one of the medical and i mentioned it yesterday they were talking about the specific actions in the lung and you go at the end of all of your bronchial stuff there's these little sacs and that's where the oxygen exchange happens and you get with the blood right well that obviously in that scenario takes capillaries and they have to be very small and the people that are coming in in middle age I've seen it referred to a couple of times as they're coughing up pink froth, okay? And they said what's happening is evidently there's something to do with the formation of stem cells at that part of your body that it affects, but the pink froth is actually blood that is being lost from the capillaries, that's ending up outside and, right. and people are coughing it up. And the other comment that yesterday yeah. I mentioned and I had heard, and I've heard this referred to, but I'm not into that stuff enough to know. We ought to call Harvey. Uh, but he said what you're actually many people are dying of is what you were saying, Daryl, your own immune system reacting and producing what they call a cytokine storm. And that that's what's killing a lot of people is your own body's reaction to it in that form of a cytokine storm, whatever the heck that is. Mm-hmm. It's when your immune yeah. system goes into overdrive. It does too much, right? So it, it actually counteracts to a greater degree than is necessary. There's probably a better way of phrasing and it. I was reading it the other reason, day. Somebody said, but that's, the, the, yeah. The reason, your, the reason your immune system goes into overdrive is because or, or has a disproportionate response, let's put it that way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is because it's out of tune. It's been uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, decommissioned in some ways through uh, medication and uh, external uh, allopathic medicine and uh, all these other associations 
and, and your immune system doesn't actually understand anymore how to properly function. Uh, I, I actually, uh, for some reason, recall something that I listened to and read about 10 years ago that went into this in great detail. And uh, I can only surmise the reason why uh, somebody as ornery as Brent Winters and myself are so healthy. And it's because we've spent a lot of time around uh, horse, cow, chicken, manure, hay, and dogs and animals. And I didn't wash my hands every every time I got a little crap on them because I had to work. Okay, Mm -hmm. so... Uh, for all uh, for all these people out here that are walking around with this uh, neurosis, psychosis, hypnosis, uh, dyslosis, uh, you know, hey, uh, your immune system needs to work, okay? And and people are dying. Um, some of these people are compromised because their immune system has become illiterate. It it doesn't understand how to function properly anymore. The governor on it doesn't work. It. Uh, this this is actually associated with uh, the uh, the uh, uh, aspects of cancer, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, so th- there's 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 a there's a commonality here. So uh, I'm not practicing medicine. I'm I'm just using some um, empirical data, some logic and deduction here. And I listen to people that know more than I do, but. Uh, um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> So I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to gross anybody out here, but uh, I, I'm not washing my hands 30 well, times a day, and I don't use any gel, and I don't wear a mask. And the, uh, and so. the one you're not hearing much talked about at times, but surf, under the surface is vitamin C, seems to be the magic elixir for this as a prophylactic in, 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 in case you get it, okay? <laughs> uh, and uh, there, somebody sent me a clip, I don't know if it was John and them yesterday or whatever, of a Chinese doctor talking about this. He was in Shanghai, and he had relatives in Wuhan and uh, was talking about the grandmothers in the hospital who had the coronavirus, the four or five kids, and they were all steeped up on vitamin C, and nobody even got, got, the, got it in Wuhan, going to the hospital to visit the <laughs> yeah. grandmother, okay? Yeah. Or the mother. Well, so, you, you- uh, it's because it's because you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. You, they, they didn't get it because you don't get it. Uh, we have people. Listen, if you've had the flu, okay. Now this is what I'm understanding, and so we got a bunch of uh, you know <clears throat> aggregators of information here. Okay, so if you've had the flu in the past, and they check you for a corona. Uh, you're going to have the antibodies right. and that present in you, and, and you're all going to test positive if if they if they get that. And of course, all these things are, are uh, constantly uh, morphing. And and so, well, uh, was your test capable, or did you just get some markers? And and the important the other important thing here, if I might, I, I guess my tempo increased and my tone changed a little bit. Sorry, but. Um, is that we have a lot of statistics out here, and and people have are testing positive for a corona antibody, and they're dying. But did did they die with corona, or did they die of corona? These are distinctly different things. And yes. and if you're the if you're the if you're the uh, pettifogging licentious scrivener who is compiling the pile of statistics. Well, we're just going to put everybody that 
uh, tests positive for corona uh, as they died of corona, even though they had a brain aneurysm or rectal rectal bleeding cancer or something. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, liars figures don't lie. This is perfect. Okay, I this this phrase has been waiting for a hundred years for this day. It, it, it sums it up in my mind. Uh, figures don't lie, but liars figure. And uh, <laughs> I yield. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, in that Chinese doctor thing, he gave a couple of statistics. I wish I could remember it, but, you know, we were all watching so much and it all blends. But he, one of them kind of stuck with me. He said in the vitamin C category, even 200 milligrams a day had an effect of people over 65 of reducing their exposure or whatever, 80%. Even that little amount of vitamin C. And he's talking about pills where you don't get very much of an absorption rate either. So uh, very interesting. Very interesting. I've been. Uh, well, can't doing, you just eat an orange? Uh, why, why can't you just eat an orange? You probably could. Maybe two oranges. I don't know. It depends on the soil they're grown in okay. and some of that stuff, you know, where, yeah. where they come from, et cetera. Have they been sprayed? Uh, you know, um, I like there was that. There the nip- reason they. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> there was a reason they called them limeys. Yeah, that's right. Of the lime. <laughs> and also, Daryl's comment about the figures lie, then you got lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Samuel, you called in to join us. Welcome, my friend. How you doing today? Hi, good. Hello, everybody. Um, I know this happens in nature. And, of course, I don't know anything about what women will say about this, but they could probably, especially a natural childbirth, could chime in on this. Um, I know the koala bear, after it bursts its young, she feeds the, the baby her own ex- excrement so that the thing that that little critter needs to digest food is in the tummy. And I also heard that before we went crazy with human natural childbirth, uh, or the opposite of it, the allopathic medicine, where they they uh, pretty much birth the baby on the doctor's schedule and pump you full of a bunch of crap and um, et cetera, et cetera. They give you enemas, I'm pretty sure, before you are uh, to birth so that there's nothing there. But my understanding is in, in, in the natural old ways of this, a woman may pass some um, uh, bodily um, stuff, and then that ends up in the baby, and that starts the immune system of the baby in a natural setting. Wouldn't surprise me, Samuel, at all. I know that they say with people, if you move over to a new area and you have kids, first thing you ought to do is let them go out and get a handful of dirt and eat it because you're starting to build up their immune system on those local local things that are local to the new area. What? Pardon me? Kids used to eat dirt when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I never stopped. <laughs> he still does. <laughs> Well, we do eat a lot of dirt, uh, metaphorically. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess that's why some people have a filthy mouth, huh? That's yeah. right. They do. Uh, it's well, the only you, way. Wash you know, your mouth out, lad. 
the best approach here is to keep your immune system up. It's not just for this. It's for your general health and overbeing and all the things we want to accomplish and make you feel better. And when you feel better, you do better. Yeah. Yeah. On the, on the farm, I, I grew up on raw milk. Man, you can't find raw milk anywhere anymore. Um, and difficult. one of those those guys that you had on the tape, Anginus um, yeah. Van der Planet. Right. That was his big deal is raw milk, man. You got to get that raw milk yeah. because if you're drinking the other yeah. stuff, you're you're putting you're putting nails in your coffin. And that was I was raised on it. I was raised on it, Samuel. Yeah, me too. Me too. As a matter of fact, yeah. you can still buy raw milk um, here. I get it at the local store, and it comes out of the Amana colonies in Iowa, and it costs about three times as much, but. You can still get it with uh, cream on the top, and mm. it's uh, it's amazingly good. It's it's actually utterly delicious. Utterly delicious. <laughs> um, with, that, with that, with that, with that, um, let me welcome Kay. Hey, Kay, thanks for calling in, sweetie. Listen, I want. We'll talk. I was going to tell you in an email. We'll talk about your stuff tomorrow. Okay, with Paul on today in this discussion, it probably would distract. How are you doing today? Uh, good. So I thought I would call in on, on since I'm a girl and I've had kids. Uh, you know, um, the key to health is in your gut. You know, yep. uh, the immune system, our body, the immune system is in the gut. It's very Well, Well, um, it, it, what, what uh, Sammy was saying is true. You know, when you give birth to a child, and probably you guys know this, but women know this, when you give child natural a natural childbirth, there are certain, um, I don't know what you would call them, secretions from the mother that the baby is given uh, to support the immune system and also to support the gut, okay? I mean, the immune system is in the gut. But if a woman uh, gives birth and she has a C-section or something like that, then you miss all of those good things uh -huh. that the mother imparts to the child, uh, and it used to be in the old days that when there was a C-section, that the doctor would go in and scrape those secretions and rub them on the baby. I don't know if they do that anymore. I do know that here where I live, people, because my, my daughter had a baby, well, it's been many years now, but, boy, they were really pushing C-sections, and I remember thinking... Yep. Okay, so I'm going to do it right, you know, so that the baby has all this immunity. But what what he was saying was right. And then I wanted to, um, uh, Ajanis, uh, when I lived in California, uh, for a long time I was part of that club that, that uh, he had. Um, and I know uh, I still have friends, you know, who swear by Ajanis and what he did for them when they were ill. Uh, I never met the man or anything like that, but I know a lot of people because I was in the club at that time uh, that just were there because of Jonas basically saved their lives. Um, and I've read his books. Uh, but you know, he was a wonderful man. I've never heard and, of him before, Kay. And, and I, I played that on the air here last Monday, and the reason after I'd listened to it previously was that I just got so much credibility from listening to him 
because everything he said, he had such an authoritative and simplistic way of putting things forward. And, I, and I'm glad that Samuel went back and got his name and all that because I didn't know. I've never heard of the guy before. And he's he, sorry he's not with us anymore. He, he was quite a guy. He, he was quite a guy. And I know people who went to him uh, who had problems, and he could look in your eyes in a certain way. He could tell which organ just from looking in your eyes with, with failing. But, um, you know, I just thought I would chip in since I'm a girl and I've had kids and, and it's well known to women that uh, you really want to have a natural childbirth because the mother does impart uh, protection to the baby uh, when they're going down the, the birth canal. Yeah, and then they and get the the C section kids come out. They don't. Then then they probably tell them not to nurse, but to give them baby formula. So they miss all the things that are coming out of mother's milk that are supposed to build those immunities too. It's no wonder all these people are yeah. sick. On, yeah, on because the farm, you know they had their 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 gut is not working right, and may not work right because from birth they were not given all those things. But one can do things, you know. One can do like uh, Ajanis said, which, which is raw foods. You know, he was really heavy into raw foods. Yep. Um, but uh, anyway, he has some books out there. They're wonderful. They're absolutely wonderful. I have read them. And uh, uh, it was a sad day when he died. It yeah, was. especially it was falling off day. a roof with a life like that and all that wonderful knowledge, falling off a roof and dying of complications. Yeah. And he died in the hospital, yeah. so who knows? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But, but anyway, um, yeah. So I just thought I'd chime in. I'm going to hop off now because, as usual, I'm rushing around. Okay. But um, I wanted to chime in there and say, you know, Samuel has uh, has a lot of it right. You yep. know, he really does. So All anyway. Right. There you go. All right. Thank you. We're going to talk about Kay tomorrow, and you can go on about your business there, and I'll tell the audience what we're going to do, and that is that uh, Kay and her husband have decided to file affidavits, and they want to get their daughters and even uh, follow through with all that, and she asked me a few questions, and I like to do those things on the air, and I didn't want to do it today with Paul on and us probably discussing all this and distract from that, so we'll concentrate on it tomorrow. Okay, Kay? Sounds great. Okay, okay, sweetie. All right. And, uh, hello, Samuel. Do you have something to say? Somebody's wife's talking to him, I know. Something else is cutting in here. Um, on the, on the farm, this didn't happen very often, but usually it was with the birth, the first birth for a, for a very young cow, you know, maybe a year and a half or so old. And she's birthing for the first time. And once in a great while, especially if the birth was really difficult, because a lot of times it is for the, the first birth, and it, it, they would be afraid of their offspring because they associated that with the pain. And if the cow doesn't lick its calf after right. it's born, right. they don't do well. In, in many cases, they die. So we would always have to take that calf and drag it down the feedlot to Mama Cow, the one who loved everybody. <laughs> and she would lick it from head to toe and restore its vitality. And I don't know what all that is about, but it was pretty interesting. Well, that, that came from evolution, don't you know? 
supposed to nurturing, I guess. Or it actually, you know, when when they're born, we, you, when you when you pull them out, you pull the snot out of their nose and out of their mouth so they can breathe. But right. it's not just that. Right. It's that cow with that thirty six grit sandpaper tongue scrubbing that thing down from head to toe it's for some reason. Yeah, it's magic. Yeah, yeah. God, God puts all that stuff into all of this, and these people think that he doesn't exist. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. Has anybody got anything on their minds you want to bring forward here while we got the forum going that we hadn't touched on you think might be important? Yeah. Cody. Can I talk? Sure, hey. man. All right. The, you know, Kate was pretty emotional yesterday, and uh, I guess Tom, the Tom Schramm, I, I didn't catch all of the show, but I listened to part of it, and, you know, it's, we get the government, the people get the government they deserve is the expression. Yep. And uh, we can't expect to be raptured from responsibility. we got to try to make some changes. I don't I'm, think, uh, I don't think you can expect try, uh, to be raptured out of anything. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to, some of the different oil groups there, I'm trying to push the guys to, you know, why are we accepting Saudi Arabia to ship in oil? Why are sugar producers, why are they protected with uh, duties to protect the sugar industry, and now we don't want to protect oil? You know, so there's, you know, so people are getting pretty irritated now being laid off. So maybe, you yeah, know, listen, like you guys said, I think hopefully. That the 3.3 million, well, I think the figures come out today, today on last week's unemployment. The week before was the highest ever recorded with 3.3 million applying, and they think it might be close to 4 million when the figures come out today on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at, look at how they want to distribute the money. You want to send checks in three weeks, and maybe there's some people starving that have been living you know, paycheck to paycheck instead of saying, hey, just go to the bank, you know, we'll put up a website, we'll double, we'll cross-reference your name and social security number, make sure you're paying taxes or however they're going to do it um, to make sure you qualify and then have the banks pay people up. But no, they don't care if people are starving Pinto, for three weeks. You know, Pinto, there's a lot of people. Pinto had a very interesting point on the zombie companies that have been operating since 2008. I can't give you any names right off the bat. We know there's a bunch of them out there. And that he said the only reason they were kept afloat because they didn't have enough cash. The reason they're called zombies is they don't have enough cash flow to service their own debt. Okay? And they were still allowed to operate. And Pinto said the reason that they set those up like that is so that they could go into the debt market and even issue further bonds to try and pay off their already indebted state. And that a lot of those companies will not survive this, virtually all of them. And those are the ones that are cutting loose a lot of these employees, too. It's a cleansing. Yeah, yeah I don't... I don't. It's a, it's a financial cleansing. They're covering their tracks, Cody. They can go back and anytime anybody asks any questions and in the history books in the future, if yep. they still control the publishers, it'll be blamed on this mysterious virus where it was nothing but a well, cover operation. Let me offer this to the listening public. When, you know, when they talk about spending a billion dollars in the United States, if there's 330 million people, round numbers, that's about $3 per person. Okay, so if they're going to give twelve hundred dollars to people, that's four hundred times. It'll be it'll be about four hundred billion dollars that they're going to 
they're going to spend. So three divided in, you know, it's about $400 billion. But I think they voted for what, $4 trillion, something they've got, the normal they got, budget? You know, they had one, where the money's going to go. They had one bill that went through the first one for $2.2 trill, And before the ink was dry on that one, they got another one in the hopper right behind it for two. Now, don't forget yeah, don't, all the all the repo stuff that's been going on for about three or four months in the repo market, the overnight market, where they have put close to a quadrillion dollars in the last four months. Well, when is the gold price going to do what the rhodium price did? Is it going to have to be after well, the mines get started back up and they realize they're not going to be able to cover all this paper and it's going to... Shoot well, up, what, or what do you? Well, it makes sense if you understand how they've got the system rigged, and the fact that the spot price you're looking at is derived from derivatives on the COMEX paper market has nothing to do with physical. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's how they're playing that game. All right, and the things called naked shorts, where they dump all these contracts onto the market in dead areas. That's how they've controlled the gold price now for a long time. The physical shortage is putting them into a bind so what do they do well they went and announced yesterday that comex is starting a new uh contract on 400 ounce bars now if you buy the new 400 ounce bars which they've never offered before highest was 100 you can also convert it or buy the other ones underneath it but we've got a whole new category of 400 ounce bars that they're starting as of today i believe and they don't have the gold and they can't get it so they're going to get more yeah. paper money into a new a new product that they can't put the physical behind, but it's going to suck a lot of suckers' money in there, so they can continue to run the scam on the paper price. But I don't think people are going to buy it now. Well, you think they're that not, people are, no, people are they're trying not, to take delivery as much well, as they can? Well, some of them are, and that's what's got them in these problems. Most of the time they'd roll the contract or take a cash settlement, but people are wanting their gold. That's what got them into trouble last week where they had to go over to England yeah. and say, yeah, have the LBMA send us some 400-ounce bars. You know, and we covered it yesterday. They, the flights that ship bars around the globe, well, they're all closed because of the coronavirus. And once they get it, a 400-ounce bar over there to New York, all the refineries in the world are closed because of the coronavirus, and they can't melt it down to 100-ounce bars, which is what their fulfillment contract stipulates. Okay. Convenient. And then on top of it, the vast majority of the refining is done in uh, Switzerland. At least of the concentrates, like in Ecuador, and no, you know, they go to China. Yeah, Switzerland. So China wants to be slow about refining to further affect the world market. Switzerland. Or refuse to export Cody, it. Cody. You know, Switzer you Switzerland's the big gold refiner in Turkey. Those two. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know how much. I, I think there are always people that buy it, but they said that a lot of that Ecuador gold goes to China. Well, it's and, going uh, it's going straight yeah. to China. You're not the first person, somebody, an Ecuadorian that I know mentioned that. And they must have pulled something here. Also, yesterday it was announced that Ecuador gave 300 tons of gold and traded it for so many million dollars on Moreno's recent trip up to D.C. And my comment was, do you think they'll ever see that back? No. Okay. Uh, no. and, and, and what the U.S. was trying to do is get some of it out of here before China got all the rest because they're fulfilling all, the, all those oil contracts that Correo, the previous president, set up with China right before the price fell the last time from $150 a barrel down, which is got what the country's problem is 
for the majority of the last few years. So now the Chinese, because, you know, when I got down here, Cody, and I was going to get my residency stuff, you know, the temporary residency and all that, I ran into a number of people that worked for mining companies that were down there. We're trying to get because Ecuador's changed their emphasis over to mining. So now they've hit some gold. They've got some gold pockets down by Guayaquil in that area of the country. And evidently the Chinese are coming in saying, well, your oil isn't priced too good. How about all that gold? That's why it's going to Chinese oh, refineries. Yeah. Okay. But normally the biggest refineries in the world are in Switzerland. There's three or four of them there. Yeah, but I wonder how much of the, when they have the dirtier concentrates, you know, the concentrates are the the barrels of basically, you know, you, they might have some lead in there. Um, mostly, mostly they separate the silver, the gold, and whatever other minor precious metals. On those big refineries, it. they take their gold in in what's called dory bars. Dory bars. Have you ever heard of those? Yeah, well, that's the kind of refining you're thinking. We're talking smelting refining. You know, you're you're thinking refiners that maybe are doing the electroplate process to get it down to ninety nine point nine nine. We're talking the ones that are doing the crude, the crude refining. Who are usually the ones that are buying, you know, direct from the mines, just depending on how the mines are doing it. In Ecuador, they're using flotation beds. Typically, they'll crush the. If they're not doing placer mining, they're going to be doing hard rock where they're running everything through a mill right. and then using chemicals to float off yeah, the different le- minerals. They leach they it off str- leach yeah. it off with cyanide. Well, that's that's a different process. I think there are some places that do that, but a lot of that hard rock mining, you know, it's smaller operations where they, they don't. But um, I'm sure the big boys well, down there do the cyanide. There's some big gold... Yeah. Well, there was one when I that. when I first moved to Argentina, the the highest producing gold mine in the world at the time, and I believe they got three ounces a ton, which is high. Okay, and it was found yeah. in Ecuador, and it's up in the mountains, and they had to go through all kinds of stuff to get the mine open, and they were using cyanide leaching, and they have when the a gold mine yeah. for the audience when they do that sort of thing, they have a a latex. Uh, a lined pond that that cyanide and that stuff goes into okay and the problem was it was up in the mountains and some bunch of indians and their little town underneath them the leaching pond got that whole thing shut down mm-hmm. yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens with i agree with paul it's just you can't be shutting down, you know, unless well, you have people dropping like flies, you can't be shutting down your economy. Well, there is one I thing. I the Indians and people aren't raising hell already down uh, there. Me, me, me too. I think it's going to really be a bad legacy for Moreno. Um, the other thing about silver particularly is, you know, one of the big advantages of silver is its industrial applications. Well, a lot of the industrial applications activity has diminished greatly. And so that's going to make... Probably for sure that silver is going to lag gold this time when things spike. Normally silver leads gold, but this time it appears that gold will be the uh, the point man, and uh, that Bitcoin and silver will follow. Is it usually eighty to one? And now that I've seen that Mike Maloney video no, yesterday, he said it's a hundred and something got, to one. Or it something? got up to a hundred and twenty to one the other day. It's the highest it's ever been. I don't understand why the silver is down so much. You know, gold being expensive, you think more well, people would buy silver, but 
Right. They don't but, want to mess with it, well, I guess. No, it doesn't matter if you try and buy any. You ain't going to find anybody that's got it for sale. Generally, they're all cleaned out. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I already bought it. Part of the reason, that's right, you and a bunch of others, Daryl, part of the reason that silver is so suppressed <laughs> is it's a smaller market than the gold market, and they can control it. And they want to keep it down because if they keep silver down, it helps them keep gold down. Now you taught you mentioned something a minute ago that is the yep. exception, okay? And that's rhodium. Rhodium has gone sky high lately, twelve thousand dollars an ounce or something here recently, and that's because it's so small they can't control it. But the silver market is small yeah. enough they can. the The biggest yeah, you mentioned that one day. It, it, it's interesting. I could have bought some at twenty three hundred an ounce. I I kind of shied away from it. I said, oh. They're going away to all these, you know, electric cars and stuff. I, you know, and who, you know, I thought, well, probably not going to be as used as much in all these catalytic converters. And man, was I wrong? I could have well, made six times on my money. That it's, it's only wrong because you didn't understand those markets and and how that could be an advantage. Here, let me throw talking about not understanding markets. This one startled me the other night. I saw it on a Mike Maloney thing. It was the the market cap of Zoom. The computer company that does teleconferencing is now 50% higher than all of the American airline stocks combined. Wow. That's well, that's because they've not been buying, they've not been doing stock buybacks, probably, Roger. <laughs> no, but also, also the, the demand on. Uh, the demand on bandwidth has gone through the roof, or so we are told. The capacity is huge, by the way. There's yeah. loads of dark fiber flying around. Right. So, you know, basically we're continually dealing with contrived headlines. It's not possible for us to fully ascertain the truth. You've got to just stop thinking that you can because they've got so many conduits for actually putting stories out there. I mean, in your discussion then about gold as well, or of these situations, what – uh, what I keep coming back to in my own mind is just the sheer madness above and beyond even this madness. The 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 situation that we're, we're in, if we step out even further, is we are capable of producing high-quality goods in any field you like, automotive, engineering, anything, We can and we can make them better, and we can make them last longer easy. We're, there's no shortage of infrastructure in the world to do that. That There has been in the past when wars have decimated the base and everything. So we're at this really strange point where for the money system game to carry on, it's got to destroy that base. Because if you're effectively able to produce high-quality goods and services, which we would be, quite easily we could go through the roof with this stuff if you let if you said that's the goal forget about making money let's make really valuable products let's make a phone that lasts 20 years uh, or whatever if, if that's what we're all into or these things or well, let's do that where, where does that leave the money system guys when you see when we talk about things like stock buybacks and gold systems and all this other stuff what what rolls over me is that we're just looking at a big mad game uh, which has been relevant in the past because there was no other actual wealth around. But when industrial ability was able to provide good quality food and all the other things that we've come to expect, seriously, why do we need this bent and crooked old-fashioned money system? Well, obviously we don't. 
but it's it's hung around because they've been able to control that. And I'm reminded over and over about the situation in your neck of the woods in the late 1800s when industrial capacity had basically made banks in, in – they'd invalidated banks. They'd made them irrelevant. They didn't need them. Uh, they had to create a causative reason to to bring banks and and the whole scamming crew back into the equation uh, because people were lending money to themselves to expand their business because they'd made a good business. And it's it's these questions I keep coming back to all the time. You know, people say, well, what are we going to do about income tax? Whereas the real question is, why do you even need it? You know, what are you talking about? So no one's standing out and asking the bigger context questions. We might have a golden opportunity Paul. to do it here. Paul? Yeah? Paul? Uh, the reason the reason these people, the normies and the citizens and residents, want income tax, the, the reason they need it is because they want it. <clears throat> Think about that. They they instinctively know that they 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 need it. They want to have the the taxes because they're going to get their cut. This you just hit the nail, the head on the nail. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the red button, uh, red button, baby. I mean, you, you answered it right there. You answered it right there. I mean, it's right on top of it. And, and this is how they're compromised and complicit. Uh, if I might indulge myself for just uh, 20 seconds here, I think we need to add our daily dose of Frank Zappa. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad and you brought him up. Don't eat the yellow snow. Okay. Uh, uh, this is, an, uh, I think, uh, appropriate and in context uh, to what you're exactly talking about, uh, Paul and Roger. Uh, <clears throat> he says, uh, the illusion of freedom will continue as long as it is profitable to continue the illusion. At the point where the illusion becomes too expensive to maintain, they will just take down the scenery. They will pull back the curtains. They will move the tables and chairs out of the way. And you will see the brick wall at the back of the theater. Yeah, baby. Well, uh, uh, yeah. When 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 did he say this? Uh, in the eighties, nineties, seventies, seventies, two thousand, sixties, probably. Seventies, yeah. okay. I expect. Well, how yeah. how 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 prescient was he? Okay, did, what did Frank know? So, uh, and, and here you have fifty-year-old wisdom. You know, coming home to roost. He he had it. He had it figured out. Uh, him and and a, num- a number of people. Uh, it's the, well, the, the I think only Darryl, thing. Is, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. I think if you look at this situation, is getting people to touch upon that realm of thought. That's what I think is happening. Yeah. That yeah. they need to see the game of the money system. That's what it is is the first sort of video game that we've all been playing for hundreds of years. It's like you know, video games are an evolution of it. But it's it's a deception in the sense that it's it's been able to muscle its way in so that everybody believes the purpose of life is to make money because all the other dependent things that you require are achieved and acquired through money. But we've got this – it's like saying, well, I've got this box, and you stick it in at home. Yeah. Okay, what does he do? We well, put anything in, all your rubbish, yeah, you can have, and you just tell it what you want it to make, and it'll just make it. Well, anything. Yeah, anything. Yeah, just does, just does it, really. Now, it's a ridiculous proposition today, but I've said it. It's it's achievable because we know that things are about molecules and atom arrangements. And someone will go, oh, yeah, you can have that. Look at 3D printing. 
It's amazing. 3D printing well, is just one of these amazing yeah. things. And so it's as if the money system is trying to hang on to be relevant. Of course, that's not the way it really is because they've dictated which technologies do come into market and which don't. And you don't want technological uh, going rampant everywhere. We know there's some people got some crazy ideas for things which, you know, present a, an environmental hazard. But right now, our environment is our physical bodies are apparently being attacked by the virus. Our civilizational body is being attacked by the mind and money virus. All of the structures have been sort of, you know, invaded. It's a parallel there between the personal and the, uh, you know, the societal that's taking place. And right in the center of it, we do have, you know, you're right about the income tax stuff. Part of the, it justifies the illusion, does the income tax. Well, we have to pay this so that they stay in power because that. And so, yeah, it all pans out. You see, it makes sense. So just, that's why you must pay it. Now, I'm not arguing against paying income tax. We're just saying that it's all daft, isn't it, really? Anybody want to step over here? If you go stand on that chair and have a look, God, that's really stupid. (laughs) It's incredibly stupid. It's really, really stupid. Uh, but you, you want to go back taxes, in and play? Yeah. I think you should pay taxes voluntarily when the entities that you're paying them are using it correctly and demonstrating that they're doing a good job. Yeah. But, I mean, I agree with you, Roger, but the point I'm trying to make, uh, and I know yeah. this is a bit naive, I know it's not exactly like this, but the point I'm trying to get at is this. Our capacities are much, much greater than what we're currently allowed to do. We could do we could do way more stuff. Sure, uh, it's all constrained by the diktats of making the monetary system work. What? We're saying, well, if I've got this box that makes me everything, and I'm living under these laws of peaceful relations, which is what I really want with my neighbour and my family. This is really what I want more than anything else. And to defend, you know, the common good whenever it's necessary. What do I really need you for? And oh, by the way, it appears that this money thing is just done by a few private guys. How come? What? (laughs) Paul, that's why the administrative state is so necessary to pull the scam off. They're the ones that execute everything. Absolutely, it is. They they penalize their competition, and they advantage their own entities that are operating within the system. Yes. Well, Paul, uh, Roger, listen, I I want to use a uh, biological analogy here. Uh, if if you have a if you have a parasite in you, uh, it, it extorts your compliance uh, despite your your self determination or free will. It, mm-hmm. it it has to extort and extract is on the basis of its very survival, uh, and this is simply this is simply the uh, the justification that those who would do this have in their own mind. They they understand that they're parasites uh, at some level, and uh, they they have to. The parasite is just extorting. You see, this is not a symbiotic relationship. This is a parasitic host uh, relationship. Yes. Yep. And uh, uh, and and this is this is uh, uh, simply simply all it is. I, I, I take it back to a natural uh, uh, nature na- nature's god, nature's law. Uh, we have a parasite feeding on the product productivity of everybody else, and this parasite has gained. A, uh, a connection to the host where it can threaten and extort uh, the host into uh, subservience and uh, and acceptance, uh, uh, much in the same way that uh, trainers of elephants in India and Thailand 
uh, can condition a young elephant to the point where uh, they use a chain and a whip. And uh, <clears throat> years later, they'll remove uh, they'll remove the uh, they'll remove the chain and just tie a rope around his leg, and the elephant won't go anywhere because he's been trained yep. to oh yep. I have a I, I have a rope around my leg and I can't move. So um, the uh, this is I mean this is the door that's opening. I, I actually I actually like to use these kind of metaphors with people because it makes it personal accessible. I really think that sometimes that we try to talk too deep uh, and we use too much expertise with the people that we're trying to approach. I, this is a new theme of mine. Yes, I, I think we have to. Uh, I, I think we have to dial it back a little bit, and and talk to people in terms that are understandable and accessible, yep. and show compassion and empathy. And they will they will care how much we know because we're showing them that we care. Yep. And we can identify. You can't communicate with somebody that cannot identify with you. If they can't identify with you, they won't feel anything. That's very important. Boy, have I learned this the hard way uh, over the years, Daryl, of trying to give people a drink of water out of the fire hydrant. It doesn't work very often. Their thirst is not quenched. And many of them uh, uh, resent you, actually. Um, call you ugly names. Well, yeah. The best thing to do is well, like we've discussed. Yeah. You yeah. you you make keep things simple and you ask provocative questions that you always know the answer to. Yeah. Well, I I actually I get a little irritated when some snobby prick uses high high snobbery highfalutin language with me, uh, like a uh, a lawyer, uh, like a doctor. Uh, I, I get irritated with them. Okay, uh, I, I'm not really willing to uh, take in what they're trying to communicate to me because they're they're pricks, and uh, and and so if you're if you're trying to communicate this stuff to other people, don't be one of those. Okay, and uh, they they actually, I mean they you they can't be sitting there going, "Where's my dictionary to understand what this clown's trying to tell me?" That's right. Okay. <laughs> And it's unfortunate because the way what we're trying to get across to them is an extremely complex system, okay, with uh, so much fraud and intentional deviousness packed into it. Uh, And you got to go in, and that's the challenge, is to break it down simply and present it properly. And it's a challenge. And, uh, you know, that's why I've stressed on here, keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple. Uh, we'll we'll, We'll find our efforts much more productive if we approach it that way, I believe. It's my experience. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, well simplicity I, is a key. The, the important thing is the people have got to be in the right mindset, and and that is what this situation, I believe, is going to accomplish for us to some degree is uh, people questioning, people doubting, People getting well, you know, you know the whole thing about the one of the things that's not been mentioned. I haven't seen it mentioned much. Is uh, inflation? You see, um, apparently trillions of dollars are going to turn up and start washing around in the system. Doesn't that mean that the prices go up? Well, it didn't happen. Have you noticed that basically? It didn't happen in two thousand and eight, and and you know what they did? Well, you know how they structured that? They structured it well, so no, I don't. the money that they gave to the local banks. Let's say if the interest rate was. Five percent, which means they their money costs two and a half. Okay, well the Federal Reserve said, "Come stick it with us, and we'll give you two and three quarters." So they took the I money know. off yeah. of Main Street. 
Yes. I mean, well, they'll, they'll move it around and do these sorts of things. But in basic terms, we're talking very large numbers of things floating around and being publicized. And one would think that people would say, is this money actually worth anything? And, you know, the, a good question is, where did you get that $6 trillion from? It's quite a good question. I, I know it's a bit boring for most people. We're not really too bothered about that, say, but uh, – uh, it's a very useful question to ask because it's part of the, if you could, this is what I'm saying, if you could get into the conversation space on a, on a particularly useful platform, then that's one of the great openings of the can of worms. And it just seems to me that what they're doing to curtail this looks so mad, <laughs> even by their standards. It looks incredibly mad, all with the purpose of, you know, people are talking of how is the economic system going to recover? Well, it doesn't – we just don't even need it, you know. And I'm suspecting that what they're going to say is, well, the only way we – this is just one possible option, isn't it? There could, could be any. But they may say, well, the only way we can really recover the situation, because as you can see, we're in a bit of a pickle, is we've got to move over to this complete social credit, you know, management situation uh, where you all get a 1000 bucks a month or whatever it is, but you must conform to these rules. That way we can manage things much more effectively. This will never happen again. You'll be really happy, you know, that, that'll be good. Uh, and that's that's a potential, you know, bargaining thing they're going to stick on the table. Leave it to us. We know what we're doing, you know. Um, and, and the question, a question, do we want to carry on working to earn money that's got interest carried in it in a system with all this complexity. You see, I have basically, I've got a visceral detestation of government paperwork. It's just, it's absolutely biological with me. I just throw it away. I, I can't even, I don't even want to be responsible for it. I'm not interested in anything that they produce. It's rubbish. I don't want to deal with it responsibly, so I don't. I just look at it and go, this is completely barking mad. You're all mad, and I don't want to play. And We're if I can brothers. find a way to just put you to sleep and you can ignore me i'll play possum i'll play dead just go away get out of my life i can't i don't want to have a conversation with you it's ridiculous you go along to income tax offices i last went to one around about 12 years ago i couldn't be bothered to go anymore they're just you just go into them and they're really stupid places they're full of people wasting their lives sat down in shirts and ties juggling bits of paper for something that doesn't even need to be done exactly just going what? What were you doing? <laughs> Stop. Set fire to the building. It'll be more fun. You know, this is pointless. Right, well, don't worry. So it only costs us 50p to gather in every pound. <laughs> you just go in. Hello? Stop. Does anybody, is it only me? <laughs> Does anybody not see what's going on here? Of course, they are going to posit, are they not, that cryptocurrency is the way to go. We must. We must have it. Uh, I saw that thing. Did you see that thing about Microsoft? They've come out. They've got a proposal for cryptocurrency where just by walking around, they will harness your energy, and just by walking around, you're going to start making cryptocurrency. Oh, I think on. they have to stick a wire up your ass to make it fully work, which of course nobody would probably object to. Yeah, and it's yeah. not. It's actually not going to be called a cryptocurrency. It's going to be called a cryptocurrency because that's that's the way that you're actually going to bring it to being. But I mean, it's just. It's, yeah, we're going to have lame jokes. We're having lame jokes today, so let's really go for it. You know, well, it is April. It's our, it's it is just, April Fools. Yeah, Paul. Well, you know, and I trust Bill well, Gates to sort things out. He's oh, such yeah. a yeah, trust him. He's such an, an honourable looking guy. <laughs> you know, Bill Stavers. Yeah, right. That's ridiculous. I have a question for the. Uh, I have a. I have a question for the crew here. Uh, 
I've noticed, uh, I've actually started to notice a number of comments, not only online, but uh, actually in my community, is we sure will be glad when it gets back to normal. Yeah, yeah. I sure will be glad when it gets back to normal. I want to go back to what's normal. Well, hmm. Okay, is anybody, are, are we noticing any of this? What, what, do you, what say you, Paul? Yeah. Well, I've noticed some of it, but I have to say, I, I had a very good couple of conversations when I was last allowed in a pub. And um, one of them was with a guy, because <laughs> they don't allow me in the pub anymore. Okay, they don't allow anybody else in England into pubs either, but you know, it's me that I'm really concerned about. And uh, it's not that I even go to the pub a lot. I only go once a week, but because I can't do it, I really want to go now. It's really getting on my week. And... Um, but the someone was just saying life's never going to be the same again. I, well, well, I said, well, it's, it's never the same anyway. After Thursdays, it always changes radically for me after a couple of beers. It's a tra- transformative evening usually, um, but it's true. It's the case. And when I, I, I don't know if I mentioned the other week, I went out with a guy and we ended up playing pool. I think I did in a pool hall, right? And I said to him at the time, I said, I think you better remember tonight. He said, Why? I said. I don't think we're going to be doing this for quite a while. <laughs> it was wonderfully fantastic. And uh, I saw him the other day. I said, you remember? He said, yeah. I said, there you go. We're not even allowed out. And I've got people like that, Daryl, who are saying, oh, it'll return to normal. So they just cancelled Wimbledon, I think, today. Nothing's returned. They're, they're basically training us like that elephant you talked about, Roger. We're being psychologically pre-programmed for the next thing, right? And uh, We can't even ascertain, just like we couldn't at 9-11, half of the truth about things for such a long time. And um, maybe it's just time with everybody sitting at home. Of course, they don't allow us yeah. out. But we need to get down to the hospital you know, with our mobile phone. Got any, got any coronavirus patients? Because I can't find Paul, any. Paul, yeah. Paul, thanks for, thanks for bringing that back up. You, uh, that, that was something you were talking about that uh, I, I sort of recognized uh, when you were talking about the 9-11 thing. See, I, I didn't get the chance to uh, – be traumatized immediately mine mine actually came later and uh, the reason the reason i wasn't uh in the same mindset probably that the rest of the uh the general population was uh was that i had to actually go back into it uh i had to i had to fly into new york city two days later and and deal with and deal with people and and be composed and be in control and uh, I couldn't be, uh, I couldn't be, I didn't have the, uh, this, the luxury of, of uh, being in a state of disorganization and incoherency, okay? I, I couldn't afford to allow anything traumatize me. I had to deal with it. So it was, it was a bit of a vaccine for me. <laughs> and uh, uh, so... Um, it, I mean, I'm not saying it didn't affect me later, but in in that moment in time, uh, I sort of had a booster shot of uh, you gotta you gotta stand up here, straighten up, uh, straighten up and fly right, Mister. You know, and uh, so yeah. let me see. We got somebody yeah. that joined us, TJ. Uh, it came in as an unusual deal. I, I've patched you in, and you're new, and it shows in your little circle there, TJ. How you doing this morning? Hello, I'm I'm good. Okay, you can't talk. You got a message. All right. Well, evidently you just want to listen. Do you have a question or anything? Okay. All right. Well, if you want to plug in your mic, then you can do that, and we'll defer over to somebody else until you get that done. And welcome along. I can know who you are. 
Uh, so um, Daryl's story he told one day on the air a couple of weeks ago about uh, flying into New York and turning the plane controls over to the co-pilot and taking pictures as you went over the World Trade Center because your approach was right over that area. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. And uh, I had a bird's eye. Oh, you know, basically the first guy to the, the first guy to get the real bird's eye view of looking down into that smoking hole. And uh, not only was it smoking, but you could actually see uh, red spots mm -hmm. from uh, 2,500 feet in the air. So, um, yeah, I uh, I had my doubts uh, early on, you might say, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I had I had my questions anyway, and uh, and and some of them uh, still aren't answered. But yeah, <clears throat> so they, well, look, I mean, look, yeah. Yeah, I look at what they set it up for. I mean, the many things that got set up from that and got done. But there is, of course, that wonderfully named act that you all joyously received, uh, the Patriot Act, <laughs> which is, of course, one of the most least patriotic pieces of paper ever emitted by these foul little stinkers, isn't it? And, um, yeah. you know, because now they've got all the just... Well, over here, there is a bill before the House um, called the Coronavirus Emergency Act or something. It makes the Stasi look like a kindergarten. I'm quite serious. It's it's a, an extremely... Uh, <laughs> what words can I use? Damaging bit of proposed legislation. Uh, it, it enables forced vaccinations... Uh -oh. It enables your arrest with no warrant or reason given. <laughs> it's just, it's completely, you're looking at this going, well, hello, you know, we've got a cold and you want to lock us up. What's going on? From our side of the pond, you know uh, and I think Daryl mentioned it yesterday, the canary in the coal mine for me this weekend was that pastor that got arrested in Florida for having a church congregation. They arrested him, threw him in jail for having church. Did they? Yep. I I read some information on that one this morning, and apparently there's a Liberty Council, a 501c3 um, public defense group down there, who has taken up this case because yeah. they claim there was quite a bit of discriminatory, broadly vague, ambiguous language in the county city's so-called preclusions and exemptions and uh, special carve-outs for certain aspects that weren't attributed to others, so it uh, will be litigated. I'm pretty sure here in Nevada, they're going to wind up suing the crap out of Steve Sisolak, the governor, for tyrannically shutting down the economy of the whole state and doing irreparable damage to millions of people in this state and the tourism business itself. He ought to be locked under the jail. That's that's not just where you are; it's worldwide. Um, and the, you know, I, I mean, I, I, the, the economic devastation that's coming from this down the road, it's not going to happen immediately, uh, is going to be horrific. It'll be the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the world when it comes to financial stuff. TJ, did you get your mic in? I see you got your mute on and I don't want to not ignore you and not give you a chance to, uh, interact if you'd like to, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. Can you hear me? Yes. Hear you just fine. All right, this microphone works. Yeah. So are you new? Yeah, I know this is the first time you've called in, and, and uh, uh, are you new to the program, or you've been listening for a while, or what? I Yeah, I'm very new. I got invited by uh, Jack. I'm sure okay. he's listening right now. Okay, good. 
Well, uh, are you in the U.S. or are you down here with us in Ecuador? I'm in Ecuador. I live near the Colombian border. Oh, okay. You up at Cotacachi? Uh, more north. Okay. Uh, Karachi province. Okay. Pretty close to Tulcan. Okay. Well, good. Glad to have you along. Did you have any questions or comments? You know, this is mainly a political show uh, on some stuff that I've found over 30 years' time on how to get free and shake these bastards off of you, these parasites. Uh, so, but uh, if you're interested in that or whatever, welcome. And if you've got any questions, we'd uh, certainly love to entertain them. So, otherwise than that, I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, um, I'll probably just listen. Okay, you know? that's fine. Um, yeah. Okay. There's several other ways if you want to just listen. You can listen through our website, peoplespatriotnetwork.com, or you can go if you on your cell phone and go to a, the app store and get the free version, not the premium, the free version of an app called TuneIn, T-U-N-E-I-N, and uh, you put People's Patriot Network in the search engine, and the fidelity on that, thank you, Paul, for setting that up, the fidelity on that amazes me, really. <clears throat> so that's Roger, a couple I, other ways I you can tap in. Yeah, go ahead, Samuel. Yeah, uh, I, I I was watching True News, and I, I watched how the sheriff handed this uh, preacher uh, something to sign and put his thumbprint on. And I tell all my neighbors and my friends and stuff, he says, when they bring you paperwork like this, ask them for where, where the authority of it, it stems from, where it comes from, etc. Just keep demurring them into, into a place where they don't want to you- talk to you anymore. U.S. Crop Insurance v. Merrill is the case. It's a Supreme Court case. It's from the 40s. Chris, you're familiar with this. U.S. Crop Insurance v. Merrill, M-E-R-R-I-L-L. And what the Supreme Court said is that... Pardon me? I think it might be federal crop insurance. Okay, federal federal crop insurance v. Merrill. And the court said that any time an agent of government comes up to you, it is your duty to ascertain his authority. Also stated in U.S. They don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) They don't like it when you question them. Because we used to do that with IRS about their badges and all that stuff. And, boy, they don't like it. Yeah, that and and on the nine eleven thing, you know, after that all went down, and I listened to all the different theories on this and that, and I, I, I put my stock in Dr. Judy Wood, and I told my friends, I said, there's something that's defying physics here, and I think our government has a weapon that we don't know about. And everybody said, ah, you're full of crap, you know, you're just off there in the uh, conspiracy world, et cetera, et cetera, and then you know what? All these fires we're having out here in California, and, you know, the fire goes through, and there's not even a foundation left. There's no rebar left. The foundation's turned into powder, et cetera. Uh, there's nothing there. Okay. And yet there will be green trees sitting around. There will be plastic garbage cans sitting around. So I think the technology also could be related to maybe this this uh this virus kind of thing. Um, maybe the trigger points are, let's say, uh, just for conversation's sake, your uh, smart meter in your house. You know, I mean, why not? 
Here's a new uh, new headline on Zero Hedge. China puts the entire country on lockdown after a new corona cluster emerges. Hmm. And now that we've got two, several strains of this, and what I think we haven't discussed that's important to talk about is that it is a bioweapon, which means there's probably stuff packed in there we don't know about, and there's probably going to be more morphs, and we don't know what this thing's going to morph into, in all honesty. Do we trust the Chinese, though? I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. Okay? And the reason I'll go back to say How about something like this? Ways that are dark. Ways that are dark. I'll put a link to it in the show description today. It's a book written in the 30s by a U.S. ambassador that served two tours over there. Read that book, and you'll understand the Chinese, and you won't trust them either. I've, I've actually, it's interesting, you know, I've had the uh, the link up for that whilst we've been talking. <laughs> it's on one of my tabs. I know exactly what you're referring to. Some tremendous incidents. But if we go back to the 90s, right, and uh, Bill Clinton's eagerness, uh, I'm just picking on him because we know about this. No doubt he was not alone. But Bill Clinton's eagerness to take lots of patents and just freely make them, casually leave them lying around for the Chinese to acquire or whatever he did. Uh so China has been the test bed for the globalist state for quite a while. Yeah. Um, there's that Canadian retard, uh, Maurice Strong. Oh. Uh, yeah, okay. So he was the uni- a, a great United Nations gopher and uh, arranger and uh, promoter, a Canadian uh, you know, douchebag uh, who died in uh, China. He loved it that much. And of course, um, he's not with us. He's out of the gene pool now. Oh yeah, he's dead. That's sad. You know how he got started. So you know how he got started. He was like Rockefeller's bodyguard. Was he? Yeah. Okay. All right. So he would have known a few things. Anyway, uh, yeah, he was very keen on that. So they've they've built China up. Now I remember the guy that I worked with in the nineties who taught me the finance stuff. He told me about that very early on. He said the families are. They're going to work to uh, tunnel out America from within. I said, okay. And they're moving their resources back to Europe in part. But they said, it's China's the big play field for them now. They're going to be really all in on China. I said, okay. So they, they've modeled all this stuff. I mean, there are, I watched this little video today. There are 22 million cameras in China, which doesn't seem too many really for 1,400 million Chinamen. But they must be very good cameras, I think. And uh, it shows you what's going on with it. I mean, it's um, the Chinese, of course, have accepted this like they've accepted everything else. Um, and, and that report, by the way, the one that you just cited, gives us some indication into their character. I always remember this like this. What did he say? And this is written by 1932. That wasn't it, 32 or 33. Right He's talking time. about them. And there's, yeah, there's a line he says earlier. He said, one of the things that strikes most recent arrivees here, you know, of Western sensibilities, i.e. people like me, is they can't get their head around the incessant, pointless, unstructured lying he said they lie yeah. about everything, and and apparently for no real reason. There's no positive outcome to it. They just lie. They just make stuff up. I find this the most bizarre sort of, if true, and I suspect it probably is to some degree. You know, very very well, bizarre. So you, you know how you know how you know it was true when it was released originally. It was panned terribly by the establishment. The only reason that yeah, book well, is that, floating yeah. around is because the Barnes Review went back and republished it in the nineties. 
good lads. They're fantastic organization. Really quite brilliant. And um, so the West has been supporting and, and building China up, right? Definitely has. As a communist state, um, or certainly the uh, the infiltrators that produce the traitors in the West have been doing that. Um, so they got this test bed, and now they want to roll it out. So maybe they're just doing the old good cop, bad cop thing. Maybe all of this spat between China and America or China and Europe, because it's been turned intentionally into the manufacturing base of the world or a predominant part of it, about a third of all goods or something come from there, which is a disproportionate amount, yeah? And this is to create that condition of interdependence between nations, which then enables the controllers to set up the domino effect Mm -hmm. and to basically blackmail you. If you don't do this, you won't get any chickens, or if you do this, you'll get too many chickens, or, you know, whatever it is, whatever games they like. Disease chickens. yeah. Disease chickens are on their way. The chickens of doom will be sent to you, <laughs> and things like this, you know. Oh no, not those! Yeah, so he's everywhere. So, he's what everywhere. are we? Is everywhere? Is everywhere? What are we to believe? How are they going to lock it? So they're going to lock down China now. I, I just think that this is some great big communication scam, and that the, it's just yin yang. And we're in the middle, and most people are just going to be lost. They're going to go, yeah, oh, okay, this way. No, run to the left. No, not to the right. No, no, to the left again. <laughs> Help. Where Where do we go? Well, we'll save you. No, we'll save you even better. Oh, oh yeah. boy. They'll save you, all right. Um, They'll give you a vaccine. Yeah. And it might be yeah. that <laughs> if, Bill, if Bill, Bill Gates of hell's wet dreams come true, you may have to have one to, to travel here in the future at some point. Oh, well, I, there was a thing on the radio. I was thinking on the radio today about lunchtime as I'm just driving back to base, and uh, they were quoting they had some little sort of, you know, snippet of some government minister saying the only cure for this is a vaccine and everybody's working and when we've got it then we'll have it sorted so we're all looking forward to getting the vaccine mm-hmm. i'm going oh, hello <laughs> knock knock what's wrong with hydrochloroquine or whatever it's called which nobody can pronounce and should never be pronounced c? properly about, and the interesting yeah, thing about fine. the vitamin c information yep. c is these pharmaceuticals have been panning vitamins and minerals for so long and now it's this wonderful almost cure-all for this stuff from what i'm gathering anyway you mm. know technically what happens i mentioned it yesterday paul here at the close and this came from cliff high if your cell has got vitamin c in it when the little mine you know because it's just like one of those floating mines with the little spirochetes comes and tries to attach itself to that cell the cell the, with the vitamin c donates an electron to the virus and it zaps it like a taser and it goes away and when that reaction happens it it, it prompts the other cells in the area because that vitamin C that lost an electron is not vitamin C anymore. So the cells in the mm-hmm. adjacent area make vitamin C because now they're alerted that there's an invader in the area. And that's how it's defeating it. It's mm-hmm. lending an electron. Yeah, I'm just looking at this um, zero hedge thing. He says, having lied, this is Tyler Durden who puts this good stuff out, doesn't he? He says, having lied for the past month that it has the coronavirus crisis under control just so people return to work full of hope and enthusiasm rejoicing at the surge in china's just as fabricated pmi numbers and willing to blah 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 blah. well i saw a video today of an english guy that had gone over there recently um he had to spend 14 days in quarantine before they let him out 
um, he was going around doing an assessment of all the camera systems and everything. And he said, what they're attempting here, it was almost like he was enthusiastic about it, which made me think he's a plant. I'm just so paranoid. I just basically don't trust anything I see now. I've gone mad. But um, he was saying, they're trying this fantastic new experiment using all this technology. Oh, good. We must have it, right? This is part of it. So what they were doing is, because they can tag everyone, I mean, it's just off the charts. Off the charts, nuts. They can tag everyone. They can work out everybody that they've seen in the previous 14 days. Everyone. And what they do is they're setting up these, it's like geo-fencing um, things. The the people that are at risk are kept in one area. and Everybody else can get and you got a lot of clipping right there at the end. We're right at the end of the show, too, and I'm having to make up uh, the ending here for the yeah. screwed-up start. So a whistler will come on thank here in a minute, I trust. Um, but, Paul, I want to thank you. It's for, time for a beer. but I'm, Yeah, time, but you can't go to the pub, man. You have to drink it at home. Closed. Um, thanks for joining us, man. A good mm. discussion today. We covered a lot of ground. Everybody else that did. Uh, what we're going to do tomorrow is uh, go over – um, filing an affidavit with the Secretary of State without a passport application, and we'll go back for everybody, but cover it specifically for Kay and her family that want to go through this process. And I think it's one of the things that people, if you haven't done it yet, you may want to consider doing it uh, because when they come with the guns, you're going to have, if they do that, you're going to have two choices. You can either stand on your status or you can grab your piece and fight them. Okay? So uh, uh, it's a... Uh, it's very effective for 10 years. That's what we know. They're very scared of it, like some people are of the virus. I'll see you all tomorrow. We'll talk about it. Have a great day and stay virus-free. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, everyone. Oh,